0: Good morning. Wow, it's, here we are, fit. I did not expect us to come back here, honestly, <laughs> after the pandemic, but uh, what a blessing and a joy, and especially being here in front of all of you uh, to share God's word. Um, so as uh, Pastor Danny mentioned, um, I've been in Cornerstone for about six years, and it's been such a, such a journey. Uh, it's definitely been life-changing for me. And um, I also went to Japan for a year for missions, and I came back, went to Gordon-Conwell to study Master of Arts in Intercultural Studies. I graduated last May, and now I'm hoping to go to Japan again for long-term missions. So I'm also a part of the YA Corps, so if you have any questions about small groups, uh, please come up and see me, and I'm also involved with Global Missions. So it is a privilege to speak to you today about generosity. Although I have to admit, generosity is, it's a tough subject, I think. I mean, I I feel like I have to like brace myself when I talk about, when I think about and talk about generosity. Um, So let me just ask you a few questions. What comes to mind when you think of generosity? Is there a feeling of goodness? Is there a feeling of guilt? Or are you reminded of some generous gift that you received? Or do you wonder if you are generous enough? And even so, do we think about generosity as something we have to give up or something that we can gain from it? As I will be talking about generosity, I hope you can be open to what God is trying to uh, say to you today. In itself, generosity is a joy, but what goes against generosity, generosity is the problem. And the problem relates to what is the condition of our hearts. If we take this perspective, we can then see what hinders us to give and hope to be free from it so that we can help those who are in need. So some of this will be uncomfortable, I have to admit. I'm even bracing myself, um, and it's probably not going to be the best sermon you hear, but I will say something that it, it is going to be beneficial for your life when you walk with God. Um, and you may even ask yourself, why do I feel comfortable about certain things um, that's being shared today? And I pray that you may be open to that. <clears throat> My aim is actually to encourage you. And as a caring brother in Christ, I want you to make light of some of the truths and just face them and to ask yourself, what is this really saying to me? Rather than leading in just this continual, this continual way of trying to earn money or how to give, I mean, there's more. there's more to life than that. So there are three points I'll speak about to you. Um, and how to be in tune with God is leading you to give. First is the three conditions of the human heart. Next is the meaning of value. And finally, three areas and how you can give generously. So I'm gonna do a short prayer, but before that, why don't we uh, look at the story of Lazarus at the gate again? This is coming from Luke chapter 16, verses 19 to 31. And we've been reading this the past uh, couple weeks. <clears throat> And now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone across, cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, rather, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets, let them listen to them. No, father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not listen to the Mo- if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, I glorify you, and I ask that we may be open and receiving your heart um, to just receive it joyfully, um, to also know that there are some things that may prod us and also wonder what um, what is bothering us. But I pray you may give us peace in that, and that your word may be true. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, can we go back to the first three verses? And I'm going to be talking about the condition of heart. And Jesus has given us a lot of description about these men. So as Pastor Danny mentioned two weeks ago, the promise, the premise of this story is to address ourselves as a rich man. So while some of us may not be exceptionally wealthy, there are descriptions here to help us realize the conditions of our hearts. The three descriptions of the rich man is what you see here. He is wearing purple, has linen or clothes, fine linen, or clothes, and he lived in luxury every day. Now, first is the color of purple. While to us may seem just a fashionable choice in color, but in actuality, there is a very, there's something very important that he's trying to note here about the, about the color. See, in our time today, it's very simple to make a dye color. Um, You can buy color anything in the store if you want to make a painting or a drawing. And if you want to buy clothes with certain things, you just click on the website and you can just order it right then and there. But in those times, it is a long and strenuous process um, and it also very expensive to, to make this color. And it involves a lot of sea snails. In order to make this dye, there is a gland from that certain snail shell that you have to cut out. I know I'm going to say snail shells, like I'm going to trip over this word. Okay, anyway. So here's an image I found on the internet uh, giving some idea of what it looks like. Oh, it's probably gonna be a little bit hard to see. But... So the gland from these shells uh, would need to be cut out, put in salt for three days, and then boiled in water for days. This would then eventually extract the purple dye and then, and then use it to put on clothes. Do you know how many shells that it would take to just make one gram of purple dye? A few hundred maybe? couple thousand, it's actually 10,000, 10,000 snails that needs to be crushed and taken out and, and make of this process. So this is not a common thing to make. It requires a lot of labor and resources. Normally royalty would have this color on their robes and cloaks to signify their wealth and power. And it's usually in good reason, so that way people can be, you know, inspired and to know that their country or their town is, is secure. But in this, in this story, it did not mention that the rich man was a king, a prince, or even a ruler. In fact, it was, this is just to say that he was just crazy rich and decided to spend on this diet just to signify his own status. And this is what he prioritized. It's his image. While nothing is wrong with having an image of yourself, this was explaining how his image was way overused and idolized, making the outside seem notable, yet deep inside there's not much character. You can even see this, when the way he treated um, Lazarus when he was even in Hades, he was talking to Abraham and looking down on Lazarus. The second is fine linen. This is a part of having... Some of the image, image of ourselves, but it is mostly in the sense of having possessions, and not only just not only just possessions of materials, but many materials um, extravagantly. While clothes are a necessity, I understand we do have favorable brands and styles, and I know Pastor Bill was making fun of Uniqlo last week, but I wear Uniqlo, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's affordable and it's nice, right? Okay. While clothes are a necessity, uh, sorry, I lost my place. It is what makes us unique, and it's a good thing to be creative, to express ourselves, you know, I agree with that. However, I find that we are almost defined by what we have and own. When I was in middle school, there was a specific clothing brand that was the epitome of cool. And this is in the 90s, so yeah, feel free to make fun of this. Only popular kids wore it, and when we saw it, that meant high class, like cool. And here's a picture of what I'm talking about. I hope you can see it. Z Cavarici pants. I see so many blank faces. (laughs) This is great. It looks like way out of time here. So what's cool about this is that, I mean, not only does the material look nice, but you see the waist, it's kind of like tightens up. So it kind of shows the highlights of your, you know, your body, right? And then it like fans out on the side and it comes back in at the ankle. And i was like, whoa, look at that. It's... Yeah, I, this is 90s, I got to say, but this is what we thought was cool. I, even if I afforded this, it was pretty expensive. I can't wear this because I, I was a little chubby and my stomach is just going to roll out. But anyway, this is what was like the icon at that time. And at the same time, I was looking at myself and thinking, wow, you know, this is what I need to feel like accepted, to feel like I'm, I'm valued. Right, And I know we're not in middle school now, but I wonder, can you relate to this? Are you concerned about what you have and where in order to feel secure? Maybe or maybe not, but if you have a tally of things that you own and ask yourself, does this really take a hold of me? Or is this really necessary or is it okay to have? Perhaps you'll have a different view. So the third condition of the heart is living in luxury every day. Now, this refers to more of the excessive, careless, wasteful living. Again, we're not as wealthy as the rich man, yet how much do we save and carefully spend on what we have? I love going on trips. Um, I like to explore, um, but I don't really travel outside of the country unless it is ministry related. Um, Yet, it is amazing how there are so many influencers on social media going on these exotic trips to capture that perfect scenery right that sunset or the ocean or you know being with exotic you know animals and stuff I mean I'm like where do they come up with the money to do this it is spectacular I mean I'm impressed too but by watching it there is a sense of envy and I wonder if I am also missing out am I not seeing much of what the world is how come I can't have that lifestyle I wonder if this trip will bring me fulfillment if this helps us to use our resources wisely. We chase after these experience and replicate a fantasy that is highly fabricated. We would be willing to spend so much to show others how good we have it or made it. Now, I'm not downplaying of having the sense of an adventure and exploring. Please do that, you know, that's good. You know, and and I know that God has made us to, you know, there is a sense of like, uh, what's it called? Reaching out or being able to see what is beyond us too. You know, there's, there is some characteristic of God in that with us. But rather than experience his creation and the culture, we just want to more. We just want to gratify ourselves or just raise our ego. So let's look again at what these issues are. Just a quick, uh, quick uh, recap. The color purple shows more about our own image. Fine linens speaks about our possessions and how much uh, does it own us. And luxury living reflects more about how we live wastefully and in excess, not trusting how God can take care of us. These conditions used in the wrong way adds to spending money that doesn't really reflect on what God intends for us. We see that there is a deep need here. And we're trying to satisfy that need, that desire of belonging status by buying into it. So next I want to talk about and share what the meaning of value is. So with money being spent, um, it's, it's just really logical. When you spend money, it's gone. And I know I'm not talking about investing, but I'm just talking about you spend something, it's out of your hands, it's, it's not there anymore. So when we spend only on ourselves, we will have less or none to give to others. It is actually both an impressive and destructive distraction that the world has encapulac- encap- encapsulated us to be focused on our own interests. But what is really interesting is how we justify on what we spend. We justify it by how much value it means to us and also what we can gain from it. So over the week, uh, I got curious, like I usually do, and I wanted to see what was the most expensive thing on Amazon. And these top things came up, three things came up, if you can see that, okay. On the left, it is titled 1927 New York Yankees World Series Champ Team Signed Baseball, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, PSA, DNA, COA, I think Certificate of Authentication, uh, Autographed Baseballs. The middle one is labeled Michael Jordan Autographed Original Fleer Rookie Card Art, Upper Deck Basketball Autographed Cards, and on the right labeled... Luxurman, 14 karat rose, white or yellow gold, or yellow gold, unique white blue diamond men's ring statement jewelry, 11 total carat weight. Now, guess which is the most expensive item here, and which one would you rather have, and what would you do with it? Okay, I'll start with the least value, which is the most ironic actually. The lowest price of the three is the ring. And it's tagged at $24,995, U.S. dollars, just to be clear. Next highest is the baseball, which is tagged at $44,536.99. That's a salary for some for a year, right? And the highest-priced item is the Michael Jordan autographed card, cashing in at $99,999.99, I already see some of you like, no way, too cheap, no, I'm just kidding, yeah, that (laughs) is that is uh, pretty up there, each of these are made of different materials with different craftsmanship, and gone through different processes, yet they are drastically different in value, and what is the value based on? It is the authentic- authenticity, time, and more importantly, the po- popularity and demand of that object, right? Or that item. So for those of you who are not interested in sports, which I already got a sense of, it, you, would not, you would not even consider spending that much to get that Michael Jordan card. And you'll probably mistake it as a coaster, right? Like, here, just put your drink on here. Your- what are you doing, right? We put value into things because it means something to us. And that meaning negates the minimize the cost of that thing. And of course, it is not bad to put value in things. But why are we putting value more into things rather than people? I noticed that people had a hard time during the pandemic because we couldn't make any connections with people, with each other. Zoom and video chat was the main way to communicate. And some of us had to meet outdoors, staying six feet away with masks. It's a little bit awkward, but that's how we ha- that's what we had to do. And it's, it wasn't ideal, but we didn't want to get sick and we didn't want other people getting sick too. But in actuality, we were still struggling with connecting with people before the pandemic. Many of us came to Boston for work or education and being a transient city, it's just hard to plant roots and, to hard, and it's hard to have meaningful relationships. This speaks on how we long to be seen in value, despite what virus or what crisis is going on. We still need to be seen. Well, this is kind of the core of the message that I wanted to give to you, and then I'll go into um, giving, and is that Jesus sees value in you. (laughs) Sorry, I lost my place. Okay, so while we look to ourselves... How do we present ourselves? How can we just present ourselves in a way that reflects what Jesus looks at us? And he sees us beautifully. He sees us wonderfully made and full of worth. Why? Because we are made in his image. And it says so in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make humans in our image. Let them rule the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the domestic animals all over the earth, and all the animals that crawl on the earth. So God created humans in his image. In the image of God, he created them. He created them male and female. We bear some of that glory. We bear some of that beauty in him. We long for that belonging because He, we relate to God wanting to be with his creation. Now, we care about possessions, but God is fully able to to meet our needs. Take the example of King Solomon in the Old Testament. Israel wanted a king to rule over them and be like other nations. King Saul was the first, but not so great. He was struggling with insecurity and madness, insanity. King David was next to conquer and he ruled justly. But now this was a time of peace and King Solomon, who is King David's son, is next to rule. And in this prime opportunity, he he could do almost whatever he wanted, right? There's no conflict. And this strange thing occurred where God asked him what he wanted. It doesn't really happen in the Bible too much where God asked a person, What do you want? So it reads in 1 King chapter 3, verse 5, verse 7 through 14. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during a night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you then skipping to seven this is how king solomon respond responded your servant is here among the people you have chosen a great people too numerous to count or number so give your servant which is him a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong for who is able to govern this great people of yours the lord was pleased that solomon had asked for this So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life, or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you But you have not asked for both wealth and honor so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. See, we see that King Solomon could have asked for anything, but he thought about the value of God's kingdom and his people. He knew his responsibility and did not want to abuse it, flaunt it. Or use it in any other wicked way. He chose to live wisely and seek what is right for people and to glorify God. And what did God do? We see that before God even answered, it shows that God was pleased. God was favoring King Solomon and was glad that he saw the past. uh, That King Solomon saw past the splendor and the greed and knew what was good to do. And so God did give him what he asked. But not only that, he gave him more more than he asked for. The riches, provisions, the security came when he obeyed and brought others to God. This shows how God is very generous to us and he's eager to bless us as long as we follow him. Our security is in him and we will will then have a natural way to respond of the love that we received. We love others, receive their love, and then share what we have. And so as we have a better understanding of our needs and how God has met them, we can then look into generous uh, generosity more joyfully. While we think about how to give generously, I would like us to think more in the lines of living generously. Because with giving, we think of just something that we have to let go or relinquish. But with living generously, it is the mindset of how to live in joy, with God knowing we have value, and to love those around us. There are many ways to be generous, but... Uh, I, I wanted to put three areas uh, just to highlight on them. The first is charity. Charity in its form is to give those who are in need, and of course, needs vary throughout the world. Um, this is just a quick Google that I did of top charities in the world. Doctors Without Borders, American Red Cross, St. Jude's Children Research Hospital, World Wildlife Fund, Save the Children, and American Society for the Prevention of Cru- Cruelty to Animals, just to name a few. And what one of those speaks to you in some way, whether it be about the environment, whether it be about people having a need, and that is all right to give. The second area is living generously in community. While charity can go hand in hand with community, community is within your area, within your area, and intention of being close and close to each other. There are areas of need such as food pantries, homeless shelters that you can volunteer at or donate foods or supplies that are needed. We may need time to work. Uh, Last time, I think it was, was it over the spring? We had time to work with Lion of Judah and to help distribute food to people in need and also give a kind greeting. And that interaction, that face-to-face really makes a difference uh, for some of the people there. And this is, this is just to help bring a sense of belonging for the people that you care for in, in different times of needs. And with the third area of living generously, I believe this is the most important. And I'm probably going to get into more harder territory here. So the greater area of living generously is a ministry. Now, some of you are probably thinking, oh, there's that word, right? So let me just try to give another name to this, Okay. It's doing the work of God with the intention of making him known. With ministry, this is a deeper issue to address, just like how I mentioned about the conditions of the heart of the rich man. While charity and community are great helps all right, and I I do recommend you still do it, um, they are more so of the short-term help. They're like kind of a band-aid in an urgent care situation. But matters that need attention to prevent those emergencies actually come from the heart. The desires that we have are natural, but they have been distorted, idolized, and skewed from what God intended it to be. By living as a Christ follower, we align ourselves in the right way so that we can live less burdened by the troubles of the world. He is what sets our image of right and good. Jesus gives us meaning of possessions and how to use it well. And Jesus teaches us how to live a life worth living and not just getting by or being wasteful. You know, the difficult thing about giving is that sometimes you don't know what the results, results are. You can give the charity and have some confidence that will be put into good use. But sometimes, like treating cancer or ending world hunger, it's not likely to see that immediate results. But with ministry, it's even harder because you give money and your time and that's it. (laughs) You don't know what what is going to be returned in the sense. So you can't see the results and you won't know if something is worth giving. But what makes it so unique and worthy about it is that because we do it out of faith. We do it out of trusting in God and knowing that we have that value in us and we want to share that value with others. So some of you uh, may not know, but I am also uh, teaching ESL to Japanese mothers um, at High Rock Church. And when I spent my time in Japan, I was, you know, I can just share so much about it, but there was something inside of me that felt like I still need to get in touch with the people that are living in Japan somehow. And I didn't know about this until uh, right after I came to Japan, they started doing this, I'm sorry, yeah, they started doing this um, outreach. And the more that I spent my time with them, The more that I was able to teach and to help and learn about our crazy American culture, the more they were able to reciprocate and understand that there is value in them too. I didn't look at them just to teach and help them to learn the language, but to let them know that they're loved and cared for. I didn't care about money. I just volunteered and I kept showing up. That's what gave me life and something changed inside of me. That gave me meaning and that gave me more, that gave me the desire to do more. So when we give, the question is really not about how much money to give but more so about and not so much about you know what do I what do I need from this but what do I need to let go what does God want me to do with what he has given me what is getting in the way of the image of myself what kind of possessions are holding me what kind of life reflects reflects his goodness and glory what pleases him and what is good to do and then from there you trust so I'm, I'm getting to the part now that is actually difficult for me, because um, I'm, as some of you know, I, I'm doing mission work, and a lot of this involves with um, sharing our story and hoping that other people will see the vision and care about and contribute to these missions. I am not asking for money. I, I trust in God for money. But what the difficult thing is that generosity can't be taught. It can be shown, but only Jesus can really show you what that generosity means, um, means to you. And I'm so thankful for the people that were able to um, join me on this partnership. And I have a, I, I'm just asking you honestly, just to pray for me, because this uh, winter is the next um, kind of the opening that I can be able to go for long term. And I just asked that you just pray for me to have the reliance to have the sense of security in God and to know that his mission will be done. So some of this, I hope, speaks to you in a really encouraging way, and I'll end with this scripture. And this is coming from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses six through eight. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided to your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Let us pray. Lord, I'm thankful that we have so much in our possessions I'm thankful that we, we have this life here um, in this city, in this country. Um, and although it may not have come easy, Lord, you still have given us um, and you have still protected us to this day, Lord. And I ask, Lord, that what we have listened to um, from this message and what you're trying to speak to us, Lord, let it just set in our hearts gently and let us also know that there are some things that we also need to give up and need to see how we do look in your eyes and how some things around us does not have to have a hold on us and that we can truly be free into following you, loving others, and to experience life in fullest in your name. Thank you for your mercies and grace through Jesus. Thank you for this body of Cornerstone. Pray that you may bless us and keep us safe through the week uh, to keep in mind of what you're teaching us. And we just give thanks that You are all-powerful and all-knowing and all-loving. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.